Welcome back to another episode of the Systems Made Simple podcast. This is episode 92, and my guest today is going to walk you through step-by-step how to simplify your sales process, close more sales, and convert more of your leads to loyal customers and clients, all without being salesy. In fact, he's going to show you how to do it with very little selling on your part at all. And as a bonus, he's also going to give you an insider's look at how you can begin automating the sales mechanisms in your business with just a few little tweaks. This is an episode that I have already listened to twice. It is so good, and it is packed with actionable tips that you can put to use right away. That's all coming up next, so stay tuned. Globally ranked among the top shows in business and education, we're known for one thing, helping overworked entrepreneurs like you learn how to run your business like a true visionary leader. Because when you get the right systems, support, and structure in place, you can spend more time in your zone of genius. So if you're tired of listening to today's business influencers teach the same old worn out marketing strategies that aren't making you any money, it's time to take a look under the hood of your business and fix the engine itself. Because the truth is, you don't have to work as hard as you are right now to scale beyond six figures and create the greater influence, income, and impact that you deserve. The secret to scaling starts on the back end of your business. This is the Systems Made Simple Podcast. All right, before we jump in today, I've got to thank our featured listener this week, Cypher Kate, who says, I friggin' love this podcast so much. No matter where you are in your business, this podcast meets you there with helpful tips to move forward. I also really love that the episodes are under an hour and easy to consume. Courtney's advice has already yielded huge value in my own business. Highly recommend. You know, I just get the chills every week when I read these reviews coming in on the show. I mean, the fact, first first and foremost, the fact that you took the time to sit here and send me a message and let me know how the show is impacting your life means the world to me. And if you haven't left a review yet, then you could really make my day today. If you take just a minute and scroll down in your Apple app, tap the five stars and let me know how the show has impacted you and your life and your business. You listening are the reason that I do this. You are the reason that I do what I do here on the show week after week. So I would love to hear from you. I wish Apple had another way for you to send me a DM or to somehow chat me and so that I can engage with you. Because being here on this side of the mic, I don't see you. I don't get to really interact with you per se, but it is my hope, my deepest, deepest hope and desire that what you hear on the show week after week is adding value to your life. So I'd love it if you would let me know. And you can do that by leaving a review. Now, as a podcaster with a highly successful show, I get pitched by a lot of podcast agencies about potential guests. And there was this one agency called Speak on Podcasts who kept reaching out with a whole bunch of great guests. And I accepted some of them. I declined others. But what I really loved and what really caught my attention about this agency was how they would email me after I had turned down a guest. And they would ask me how they could improve. And they would ask me, if they could get a better understanding of what it was specifically that I was looking for with future guests. And it just really wowed me and took me aback because rarely, as sad as this is to say, 
Rarely in today's day and age does anyone go the extra mile like that. And I have tons of agencies that pitch me and usually they just send me another pitch. They're never emailing me asking me, how can we improve? Where did we miss the mark? And that really caught my attention. So one day I get pitched from the same company and one of the few companies that I was actually starting to look forward to seeing their emails in my inbox. And lo and behold, they pitched me their CEO to be on the show. And my brain went really meta for a moment. I'll be honest with you because I was like, whoa, 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 wait. Okay. An episode on a podcast about speaking on podcasts. And even though I have a podcast program that I teach, as you likely know, if you're a longtime listener, I still tend to keep this show systems focused for business as a whole. I mean, who knows? I might one day start another podcast about podcasting and I can have my meta moments over there. And then I found out that my guest today, CEO of Speak On Podcasts, Mark Colgan, not only co-founded this company, but he has been working for the past 13 plus years in sales and marketing and recruiting for a variety of companies. And he has grown their revenue to the tune of millions with some of the sales systems and sales processes that he's helped them put in place. And then I was like, okay, how could I not bring this guy on the show? First, his company sold me the whole entire time. I have had a great experience with them as an agency on the receiving end, which of course, you know how it is when you have a really great sales experience, it just rubs you differently, right? We've all had bad sales experiences, but when you have a really good one, it really catches you off guard and it piques your interest. And I thought, gosh, this company is really doing something right. And then it all made sense when I found out about Mark's background and something that I'll call sincere sales, which you'll hear him share more about here in a minute. And it explained perfectly why I had had the positive experience I did. So of course I had to bring him on. And then I interviewed him. And he completely effing knocked it out of the park with this episode. He literally lifts the curtain and walks you through his four-step customer process and shares the exact details that make it so effective so that you can go and duplicate this in your own business. We also talk about the mistakes most people make when it comes to their sales processes, the number one reason more of your leads aren't converting to clients, The secret to closing more sales without being salesy, that's just, I hate even saying that word. It's that slimy, icky feeling, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mark's going to show you some really easy email hacks you can use to increase your open rates on your sales emails. He shares the best calendar booking software options to streamline your sales process. And, and my favorite part, the one thing to include in your booking confirmation emails that's going to increase your sales call attendance. Plus, we talk about how to get more people to show up for your sales calls, when to stop following up with a prospect, what you should include in every single sales email you send, and so much more. This episode is straight fire. And now it's time for me to stop talking and let Mark take it away. Mark, welcome to the Systems Made Simple podcast. I'm so excited that you're finally here. We've been back and forth trying to pick a date and nail down a date to bring you on to the show because you are one of the go-to people when it comes to sales systems. And that's what I really want to dig in with you today. You know, what's a sales system? What makes it effective? And all of those exciting things because I know our listeners, it's something that they want to have in place in their business, but often struggle to know where to begin. So I feel like you are the perfect person 
to speak to that today. And I just want to say thank you so much for your time this morning, for being here with us today on the show. Absolutely. And, and thank you so much, Courtney, for inviting me on as well. I know we did have a bit of back and forth, but it's great to finally be here. Well, part of the reason that we had all that back and forth was because I got an email responder from you saying, I'm on a winemaking trip through the countryside <laughs> in Portugal. And I'm like, ah, that sounds like so much fun. I have to admit, I felt a little jealous there for a moment. And tell us about that. What was that like? So you just got back from this amazing trip in the countryside making wine. Yeah. And it's funny you should say you felt envious, Courtney, because I was hesitant to put that on my autoresponder, on my out of office, because I didn't want people uh, to feel <laughs> to feel bad. Um, but then I thought, no, I've deserved this. I've worked pretty hard, built a lot of systems. Um, so I should take a few days off. Um, it was amazing. It really was. It was in the middle of uh, Portugal in an area called Serta. I always butcher the pronunciation. My girlfriend tells me I say it wrong every time. Uh, but that's what you get as a, as a Brit abroad. Um, it was fantastic. There's, they have a beautiful uh, country um, cottage, I guess, or you could say a large, large building with lots of animals. There was pigs, horses, um, chickens, everything. You, it was a farm. It was fantastic. And we spent the day picking grapes and, and putting them into barrels and having like a four by four truck <laughs> take them to the other area. And then we um, fermented the, the, the grapes as well. And the best thing of it all was actually trying the wine from last year, which we bottled and labeled. So they don't sell the wine commercially, but they do put a label on it with the name of the area and the region and the type of wine. And then they give out the wine to the friends and family. So really good family to, to be involved with. Yeah, I would say so. That sounds <laughs> awesome. And what, I mean, I would imagine what a, a relaxing trip, something so memorable. I mean, that's a trip that you're going to remember. And when I saw you're out of office, I, I was envious, but I was also very happy for you. And in a way, like inwardly, like I just, my heart did a leap for you because it was like, you know, how often do you hear of entrepreneurs saying, I'm out of the office and I'm mm. on vacation, right? It's so rare. It's usually I'm out of the office, I'm at a conference. I'm out of the office, you know, due to illness or like we had our autoresponder recently due to natural disaster, Hurricane Ida right. that hit us down yes. here. So it's usually not vacation. So it was actually refreshing to see that. And I applaud you for putting that in there, you know, because it's it's the one thing that as entrepreneurs we all crave is that freedom to be able to pick up and go and travel and and just to have that time flexibility. The way that what I understand, the way that you were able to just do that was because of these systems in your business that you have built that allowed you to not be freaked out that your business was going to fail or something terrible was going to happen uh -huh. while you were out of the office. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm, I must admit, it's probably one of the first holidays I've had this year. Obviously, COVID and, and restrictions of travel have had an impact on there as well. And, and as you as you probably have experienced, Courtney, there's a mad rush to get everything sorted. And then you're catching up when you get back. And we were just talking before we hit record. It was just so worth it just to have that time off. And because I have all of the systems in place and, and you know, to and, and a team in place as well, I was really able to switch off. And I, I did say to my co-founder, don't WhatsApp me, don't call me unless there is an absolute disaster or fire that we need to put out. Uh, so I'm fortunate that I have a co-founder who can pick up the slack a little bit. Uh, and then I'm very fortunate that nothing went wrong whilst I was away. And that's often the case, I think, Courtney. We overthink things, we think the worst, uh, but really nothing terrible normally happens. Of course, there could be a small chance that it does, but the majority of the times things just continue as normal. And some if we're honest, some people wouldn't even realize that you have been away um, if you weren't due to speak with them anyway. Yes. 
A hundred percent. And you know what I loved about what you just said too, is the boundary that you set, like, please don't get in touch with me unless you absolutely need to get in touch with me. And I think that's something a lot of people fail to do. And in the past trips I've taken, I failed to do that, right? The laptop comes with me and it's like, okay, I'm just going to check these few little emails. And then we feel like, oh my gosh, yeah, everything's coming to an end because I've got 42 emails in my inbox. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's just that feeling of urgency and that pressure we place on ourselves. But I think having that boundary in place as well, whenever you do take a trip, whenever you do go on a vacation and say, okay, this is my time and I'm going to actually protect that time. That's really important. Mm -hmm. Definitely. We, we use Slack internally to communicate with the team. And the one thing that I've been getting into the habit of, because as a, as a business owner, you have ideas all the time. You might be out for a run or in the shower and, and a great idea comes to you and you want to pass, pass that onto the team. Um, but what I've been doing is scheduling my messages and I always schedule them for the next day, especially if it isn't urgent, because as much as I've told my team, ignore any messages from me when you're supposed to be offline, you're their boss and they feel like they should and they feel like there is a duty to reply. And even though I really mean it when I say I'm not expecting a reply, people still do and they feel pressured to. Um, so just being able to schedule emails or schedule Slack messages is just such a great way for you to take some of that pressure off your team as well. Yeah, that's a, a really great practice to have in place because you're right. You know, it's that urgency that we all feel, whether you're working for someone or whether you are the business owner. And like you said, when those ideas come to you, it's like, oh, I've got to just pass this on to someone. And it's like, you know, the excitement for me, it's always like, I got, we got to get this in place right away. But really, no, there's really no urgency. And yeah. things can take time. Slow is good. That's a mantra that I've adopted in my own business. And it's really a good one to have because sometimes, you know, when you slow down, you're able to anticipate potential problems or maybe another mm -hmm. idea, a better idea or a better way of executing on the idea that you had initially will come to you and just taking our time to do things methodically. Certainly. No, I really do agree. Yeah. So you've had 13 years of experience in sales and in recruiting and in marketing. And I would love to dig into really one of your areas of expertise, which is sales systems. And mm -hmm. first and foremost, would like to hear simply how would you define that? Like, what do you define a sales system to be? Sure. So thank you. Um, I, I did. I spent a couple of years implementing marketing and sales technology. Um, so this is an area that I'm pretty passionate about. I geek out about, and I think Courtney, you and I can have a lot of conversations about systems and automation, but maybe we'll, we'll save that for another time. Um, but my definition of the sales system is nothing to do with technology. It's really just a way of you staying organized when it comes to the contacts that you're speaking to that you hope to sell to. Um, so that's how helping you manage those contacts better. So having all the information in one place allowing you to keep on track of where people are in your sales pipeline. And we can go into a bit more detail on that. Um, and it just makes sure that nothing slips through the cracks and you are on top of things and you're prompted potentially to take action when you need to. Uh, so I might pause there, Courtney, and see if you have any questions. Yes. Well, this is awesome because I think this is something that so many people struggle with. I have struggled with this in my own business, which is once you begin to build momentum, you begin to you know, get your sales mechanisms in place. You might have a program. There might be a way that you're selling that program, let's just say. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden, you've got people who are interested in what you do. And people are coming into your funnel, your pipeline from many different areas. And you have to stay on top of that. Okay, what does 
this person need? What's the next step for this person? And it can begin to get very overwhelming and very muddy very quickly. So Absolutely. how do you keep that organized? Because I think this is something that many struggle with. And, and I mean, you know, a lot of people will just call themselves out right here and say, oh, I'm not an organized person. There's no way I can ever keep up. And it's just always going to feel overwhelming, you know, but even if you're not an organized person, how can you stay organized when it comes to nurturing really those leads who are in your pipeline? Sure. So I think, and I'm going to give advice, which is technology agnostic. And, and I personally believe a lot of the customer relationship management tools out there, so also known as CRMs, and spreadsheets to a certain degree can be used for CRMs as well. And I'm not here to say which one is better um, because none, none of the CRMs work if you don't understand what your own process is. So we'll talk about a hypothetical uh, example. Let's say it's a coach and they're selling a course. Um, maybe the, it's a coaching program, sorry, and it's $2,000 a month. We'll just use that as an example. If you're selling a $2,000 a month coaching program, it's likely that a prospect, which is a potential customer, will want to speak to you first, just to make sure that you're not going to run away with their money. Uh, and obviously to make sure that you are the right person to help them overcome whatever challenge it is that they're facing at the moment. So with that in mind, there needs to be a phone call. And then I'm sure after that phone call, you as the coach will probably need to send some follow-up information. Um, and the prospect might have potential additional questions as well. Uh, lots of different questions or, or often come up. So what, what I'm describing here is a funnel, but you can almost tilt the funnel onto, the, onto its side so it's horizontal. And what you create is a pipeline. And a pipeline essentially is just different stages from somebody not knowing who you are at all to somebody who you sell to and they sign up to or enroll in your coaching program. So at the beginning, you have an unknown lead and at the end, you have a new customer. So there's lots of different steps within that pipeline. And I'll give a really, really simple example, uh, which might resonate with, with your audience, Courtney. So at the beginning of the pipeline, you might have a lead. That's maybe where somebody has identified to you that they're interested in what you have. Um, they may not have booked a call with you to talk about the coaching program, but they might have downloaded an ebook or signed up to your newsletter or some of the other marketing initiatives that you're running. They might be members in your Facebook group, for example, but you could consider those leads and they stay <clears throat> in the lead stage of the pipeline. However, if you're trying to uh, bring, pull people into the coaching program and the next step is to book a call, then the next stage in your pipeline would be call booked. So you know that this person has booked a call. Then you maybe have that call. And then the next stage in your pipeline might be working to close. And that means that you've had the call. They sounded interested. They may have to speak to their partner. They might have to speak to their accountant, depending on how expensive your, your coaching program is. Um, but they're in this middle part of the sales pipeline. And I, I want to come back to this a little bit later, Courtney, because this is where um, a lot of systems can be put in place to make them very beneficial to make sure you don't slip through the cracks or they don't slip through the cracks. Um, so after working to close, you have two options. You have closed one. So they signed up to be a customer and enrolled in, in our fictional um, coaching program, or it's closed lost. And they decided that they didn't want to move forward. And at that stage, it's really important to not just completely forget about this person, but to put in the reason why they didn't close. So they chose an alternative coach. The price was too high. It wasn't really the right time for them. They're too busy. So all of these different reasons are known as closed lost reasons. 
And it's very good to document those because you can use systems in the future to nurture those people and hopefully bring them through the pipeline again. This is awesome. And it's so simple how you've laid this out. And I think this is the piece that people can struggle to wrap their minds around at times because they understand that someone comes into their funnel as a lead, but then how do we actually get them from that stage to the next stage and to the next stage? So I'd love to dig into each one of these stages with you a little bit and talk about those systems and how you can begin to maybe even automate some of these processes so that, as you mentioned, like people aren't falling through the cracks and you can trust that people can move through your funnel without anyone being forgotten or without you waking up in the middle of the night a month from now going, oh my gosh, I forgot to follow up with so-and-so and helping that process become more streamlined. Absolutely. Um, so we can dive into all of those different stages and, and we'll start with the lead stage. So as I mentioned, these might be people that are part of your community. They may have downloaded an ebook or a resource that you have available. It may be a free training, a webinar. There's lots of different ways that you can generate those leads, lots of different strategies. But once you've had somebody convert and essentially put their hand up to say they're interested in learning about what you have to say, it's then your job to pull them into your pipeline and into the next stage, which would be to book a call. Um, so how you can leverage systems for that is to have a simple lead nurturing system, which is usually um, emails that get sent out in a uh, in a cadence. So over a regular period of time, maybe once a week. I mean, I, I am in some people's lead nurturing is every day. Personally, that's a little bit too much for me. But you would then send the emails out, which maybe demonstrates the value of your coaching program. Again, Courtney, we'll stick with the, the fictional coaching program that we're that we're selling. It explains the value. It talks about the benefits. Perhaps you've got some social proof of some um, other customers who've been through the transformation that you're able to get to, to help them with. Um, and then you simply need to ask in those emails, does this sound like something you would be interested in? Would you like to find out more? Uh, would you like to schedule a call to see if there's a fit for you? Um, so that's how I would take people from lead to maybe call booked. I love that. And to nurture them along the way, you know, that email, that touch point. I find that in today's day and age of technology and of marketing, we're so bombarded with so many messages from so many people, so many ads that we see coming across our Facebook feeds and our Instagram feeds. Our inbox, quite frankly, can be overflowing at times. Mm -hmm. And so would you have any tips on how you might stand out to someone, say in an email sequence that's delivering, right? It's delivering automatically, but what are some ways that you can stand out in somebody's inbox? Any tips that you would have to share there? Yeah, it, it's very tough. Um, the inbox is a, a place which uh, is almost the junkyard of spam. There's lots lots of emails coming in. And I, I think personally, year after year, uh, the inbox gets busier. However, there's a few things that you can do. So one of them that I've done successfully in, in the past, and we still do. So my agency is called Speak on Podcasts, and the acronym is SOP. So what I do in my subject lines is I before I write my actual subject line, I open up a square bracket, put in capitals SOP, and then close it off with a square bracket. And then I have my subject line, which might be booking a call, for example. I am just, just made that one up. But when... I look at the sent items or when I look at my inbox where I've sent that to, let's just say I'm testing it and looking at myself, the subject line where it starts is slightly to the right of all of the other emails that are in my inbox. And that way you create a little bit of a pattern interrupt in somebody's inbox. Um, so that could be just one way to uh, kind of 
break through the noise. Um, another ad- a piece of advice, Courtney, would be to just make sure that um, you are reinstating who it is that's sending the message. Um, if you, uh, let's say that I'm the coach, I don't just want to say Mark from the subject, from the sender. It wants to be Mark from SOP, for example. Um, so you're reinforcing that this is what you signed, that this is the message from the thing that you just signed up to. And, and and other tips would be keep your messaging as concise as you can and make it very, very clear what the call to action is, what the next steps you want the, the person to take are. I receive a lot of emails, which the copy is great. And then I read the email and I'm like, okay, what do I do now? Uh, and my final tip before I pause is um, to include video as well. And you can record a one-to-many video um, that you include in your email um, and I don't know how many of your competitors might be using video, but if they, the way I look at it, if they're not using video, then you're at an advantage. If they're currently using a video, then you want to at least also be creating, uh, using videos as well in your messaging. Hmm, great tips. And I love that pattern interrupt too, because it's so true. Just something that's visual like that to help reinforce not only your company, and as you mentioned, who the sender is from, right? So it's not just your name, but it's you and your company name helps to reinforce that in their mind. So thanks for sharing. Yeah, I was curious there because that is, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, all right, send out emails, but now how do I actually get people to open these emails and read these emails? Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. So, okay, you're able to pull someone into your pipeline. They have been reading your emails. Their next step is to book a call. Let's say a percentage of those people do go on to book a call. They take that next step. They move forward in the pipeline. What about the people who don't? Do you continue to nurture them in any sort of way? Yeah, so so you do. So what you really want to try and understand is what are the reasons why people haven't converted? What are the reasons why some people haven't made the decision to to move to the next step? Now, there's certain things that you can't influence if they're simply not ready. Um, you can obviously create messaging to talk about how no, you're never ready <laughs> for certain things, but you know they might just be in a space in their life where they're not ready to to sign up. Um, but there are other reasons why people might think that it's too expensive or, or they may not know what the price is. So you can continue to nurture them, but I like to nurture people that I interact with through stories, through customer stories and, and talking about the successes that people have had one when they overcame the challenge that they were facing. Um, so there's always that gap between I have a problem and I don't and and I know there's a solution, but I don't know how to get there. I like to paint the picture of how to get there through storytelling, and I use real life customer stories and examples. So that's perhaps one way you could try. Yeah, no, that's great. And so for those people who do go on to book a call, then take us through that next stage in the pipeline. Okay, so the first thing that you want to do is I strongly recommend using a um, a calendar booking system. So whether that be uh, Calendly, you can book me. Um, Courtney, help me out. You might know a few. Bookify, a few different ones. Acuity. Uh, Acu- there's yeah. a bunch of them out there. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure that you've got that set up correctly. Um, so I've booked a few meetings before. And I booked them weeks in advance and I didn't get a calendar appointment because they'd missed that setting. And I forgot that the meeting was happening. So just double check. And I uh, encourage you all, if you're currently using the the systems and you set them up a little while ago, go back and check your settings. Make sure that a calendar appointment is sent to the person who's just booked a call, as well as an email confirmation has been sent to that person. And in that email confirmation, don't just leave it as, 
hi, Courtney, thanks for booking a call. We'll speak on Tuesday. Um, you really need to sell the you need to sell the call. You need to sell the benefits of the call. So in my example, where we do discovery calls in our agency, I'll reiterate what people are going to gain from that call, what they're going to walk away from that call with. And I also share a small agenda as well so that they can be a little bit prepared for that call. And an an extra thing that I do um, is all about standing out and pattern interrupts, Courtney, just like the um, subject line before, the calendar appointments that I have got set up using the tool that I'm using, I have a, a podcast microphone emoji and a fire emoji. And then I say a podcast strategy call with Mark Colgan, speak on podcasts. Because I don't want people to look at their calendar and go, I've got a call with Mark today. I've got no idea who Mark was, <laughs> is, and what we're going to be talking about. So you almost, this exercise is pretty much preempting this, the, the questions that potentially your, your prospects will have and trying to answer as many of those questions as possible. And lastly, Courtney, I like to f- put my personality into the work that I do. So I attach GIFs um, into my calendar appointments, um, which is just such a small little touch. But again, I don't think many other people do it. And I want to create these lasting impressions on the people that I'm speaking to, even before they've experienced working with me or my team. That's fantastic. And it adds that personal touch. And what I love about each step in this as you're going through this, sharing with us, is the detail. But it's simple. These are simple, Mm -hmm. small things, but the details really do matter. And it's interesting because I find, and this is just, you know, my own personal reflection from being a very detailed person. I feel like there's two types of people in the world. There's the very detailed who can sometimes, to a fault, get too bogged down in the details. I've definitely been there. But then there's other people who aren't quite as detailed. And so just being able to understand and know that these little touches are just small little things that you can do. But that really helped to build that connection because what it's doing is it's actually helping to build that relationship with that person before they even get on the call with you. And it's already starting to build that know, like, and trust. My mindset, or I guess my my approach is I want to make everybody feel like they, after they've worked with me or spoken to me, that they would be more than happy to go and grab a coffee, a beer or a wine with me. I want everybody to feel like they could be my friend. And whenever I've approached work and sales, sales like that, I've always done well. And I think it just comes from a, from a very sincere place. And it's different. You know, you don't want to be sold to. Nobody likes to be sold to. Um, we've all tried to buy a car in a car lot and <laughs> we've had to avoid the the car sales man or woman. And, you know, sales is different in 2021. So put your personality in and don't be afraid. And if people don't like your personality, then you might not like working with them. So, yeah, that, that's just a, a little bit of me riffing on that. Yeah, well, and that I think is so important too, just to kind of continue in that vein for a moment, because when you present yourself, you know, a lot of people go into a sales call, for example, thinking I've got to act or speak or be a certain way in order to close this person. And when you're so focused on that, you completely miss the mark. You completely Mm -hmm. miss the opportunity to make the connection with the person, which is them connecting with you, the authentic, real you, who you are. And that's what makes the sale. That's what makes them much more likely to want to continue in the journey with you. Because as you said, it's, it's more of a it's less of a feeling of being sold to, but rather, ah, oh, this person can help me. Yeah. I can really see this person can 
help me overcome this problem that I have. Absolutely. I agree. I 100% agree. So for those that book the call, okay, so we're at the next stage then. They've booked the call and they go onto that sales call with you and now you're working to close them. So take us through that. What does that piece of the process look like? Yeah. So uh, another mantra that I have is uh, the moment I stopped trying to sell, I sold more. So the moment I stopped trying to sell, I sold more. So what I mean by that is when I approach the calls that I have with potential customers, I am in complete curiosity mode and discovery mode. Um, I want to understand what are they currently doing? What is their objective? How does it, how will it feel if they don't achieve that objective? What would it mean to the business if they don't achieve that objective? What would it mean to them if they don't? Um, how are things going to look different if they do nothing right now? How will things look different if they do take action? Um, and I also like to ask, what is the goal and what is the objective and how will you be measuring what it is that you are uh, trying to sell or the service that you're offering? Uh, and of course, th- those are lots of questions I just threw out there, Courtney, not suggesting that you say them, you ask them all, but you can see through the theme, they're quite um, exploratory questions because I just want to listen. I want to understand where they're coming from. You, So in my experience, I sell a service and I have people come to me with many different objectives for using the same service. So I want to listen to what those objectives are. And I can use that language back to my prospects when I'm speaking to them as well. Um, so brand, so we help with brand awareness at Speak On Podcast. But some people call it uh, brand awareness. Some people say brand building. Some people say want to increase my exposure. They all mean, or well, they all can mean the same thing, but it's the language that they're using to describe the pain or the challenge and the problem that they're facing. So I want to use that language back to them. So the reason why I'm mentioning mentioning this is I'll make a note of the objectives and the goals. I do have an agenda. Um, I make notes in a Google Doc as we speak. Um, So I type in and I do let people know that I'm going to be making notes. So if I look down, it's not not because I'm disinterested. I'm just trying to see how how bad my spelling is whilst I'm trying (laughs) to listen. Um, But I I, I note down a few of these things. And, And the reason I do that is because after the call has happened, um, I then send a follow-up email, but this is where one of my systems kicks in. And what I do is I, I load up a, a tool that I use to send out um, a drip sequence of emails post-call. Because once you've had a call with somebody, they have a lot more of an understanding of what it is exactly that you do and how you can help them. So your messaging needs to be a little bit different than what it was before when they were just a lead and they, they weren't so aware of, of what it is that you did. But in that first message, I have a few custom fields and those custom fields are their first name, um, the objective and outcome of the call and a few other custom fields as well. So when I go to add them to this follow up sequence, I'm asked to input by, by my system. I'm asked to input the objective, their first name, their company name and a few other things, bits of information. And that automatically gets merged into the email. So that email is very personalized. So rather than saying, hey, Courtney, thank you for your time. I'm really looking forward to helping you with your objectives. The email will now read, hi, Courtney, thank you for your time. Really looking forward to helping you increase your exposure and grow the podcast listening. Or whatever your objective was, it will be tailored and it will use that language. And again, it's all about building that rapport. And by demonstrating that you've listened to what they said and you're repeating the same words that they used, you're showing them that you listened and that you care and that you really valued that time that you had with them because you made note and you're repeating what they said to you. 
That is so such – I mean, if, if you listening walk away with nothing else from this entire call and all the value that Mark has shared with us so far, take that one piece with you. It is not about you selling something to them. It is about you listening and coming, being the problem solver, being the person who can solve that problem for them and showing them that you've heard them simply by using what they've told you. Not how you hear it in your head, but literally the words that they have given to you. And you can do this throughout your marketing, which is you know, what I believe really separates very effective marketers from those who are less effective. The ones who are more effective do simply that. They listen. Awesome, awesome advice there. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. So from there, at what point do you mark a lead as – I mean, obviously, if they've closed, they make a purchase. You might mark them as closed Mm -hmm. by then. But at what point do you mark them as closed lost? How much time do you let go by in that process? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think it's quite a debated question as well. And it really does depend – the market you're selling into, the price of the product that you're selling. Um, So for example, if it's a $29 uh, info product, then you may want to just kind of very, very much nurture those on a very automated way. Having a kind of post-sales call follow-up, um, although I doubt you'd have a call if it was only a $29 um, info product because it's just not not worth the time in terms of the ROI. Um, but let's, let's use the example of our coaching program uh, that we're trying to enroll people in. Um, I just want to follow up until I get a yes or a no. And I don't mean that in an aggressive way. And sometimes the messaging that I use in that is... I usually at the end of, so this is another tip, Go, going back to the call booked, if you do need a second call um, with that prospect, then maybe a bit unsure, they're, they're not quite sure if it's right for them, but they need to go away and just digest the information that you've spoke about and what you're going to follow up with. Then whilst they're on that call with you, book another meeting with them. And you might say, okay, Courtney, let's schedule a five to 10 minute catch up next week if that works for you. How about the same time as this call happened? because you might be selling remotely over time zones and you, you can send me any questions in the meantime, but we'll use that time just to go any over any concerns that you have. I don't want to say with absolute certainty, but most of the time, if people say yes to that second call, they are more likely to buy the people that say no, they might not be, well, from my experience, they're not as likely to buy from you or they just need to go through other, uh, another process internally before they can commit to that. So that's just going back to the to the call booked and booking. So in the world of sales, it's called BAM FAM. Book a meeting from a meeting. BAM FAM. Um, really important. Feels a little bit uncomfortable to do it the first time, but when you remember you're coming from a place of giving value, your core, your course or your uh, in, uh, your coaching program can really help people. Then you're doing the best to serve that person. So don't don't feel too bad, and and don't feel like you're pressuring people into it. Um, But when do you stop the follow-up? I like to follow up until they say no. And what I do say in some of my emails, I might send an email saying, hey, Courtney, it's been a little while since we last spoke. Appreciate there was a lot of information to take in. Is this something that you're interested in still? Question mark. Um, Or I might say, hey, hey, Courtney, is this, and this being the outcome that you're uh, helping them to, to achieve, is building your brand awareness no longer a priority? Let me know either way. I just want to make sure I have the team set up or I make sure I allocate the resources um, appropriately. But let me know either way. No pressure from me at all. And I found that actually we had a customer sign up yesterday off the back of an email. And I've been sending him emails for about four months now. 
Um, but in those follow-up emails, I'm always delivering and adding value. I'm sharing content. I'm sharing tips and tricks. I'm, I'm sharing podcast interviews that I did where I spoke about a particular benefit of uh, speaking on podcasts. For example, very, very meta, Courtney. Um, <laughs> but, but, the an- but the answer is keep following up until you get a definite yes or no, but you don't have to be really aggressive in those follow-up emails. If you lead with value and have a call to action at the end saying, just just please, just let me know either way, are you still interested? You'll be able to get the answer that you're looking for without being too aggressive in terms of your sales. And I think that's the one thing people worry about, right? Is that aggressiveness? Because we've all been on the receiving end of that and we know how that feels and we don't want to do that to other people. But the way that you're proposing here is so simple. It's so straightforward. And it's just asking a simple question. You know, is this something you're still interested in or is this not a priority for you? And it's really a, a low pressure way of being able to get an answer from someone to know whether to continue the conversation or not. And as the person who is selling the thing, in this case, a coaching program, to not be attached to that outcome either, because some will say yes, some will say no. And just to expect that you're going to get yeses and nos because yes. people are going to make the decision that they feel is best for them. Yeah. And, and it's really funny. So um, so I used to be a, a consultant and um, I remember starting out when I just got started, I had to work my butt off to try and sell and try and bring on new customers. And then when it got to a point where I was really busy, I had a lot of referrals coming in. So I didn't have that much pressure and I had more work coming in than I could even work with myself. I ended up um, stopping my consultancy to run a 100-person remote business because that's something I really wanted to learn. And I have never been more busy with inbound inquiries coming to me, even to this day, when I don't have something to sell to people. And it's so funny that when you're not trying to sell things, people come to you wanting help and support. And if you could only shift your mindset and remove yourself from the outcome, like you said, Courtney, and just understand that you're here to serve not everybody is going to be a fit and it's not going to be the right time for everybody, but come from that place of abundance and not scarcity. Even if you really need that sale, even if you really need that customer, come from a, uh, from a position of abundance and that when you're communicating with people, it won't come across as desperate because nobody wants to buy from a desperate person. Yes. Yes. And even circling back to what you mentioned about the person that signed up yesterday, after four months, sometimes people just need time. And so if they don't sign up right there on the spot, it doesn't mean that they won't sign up. It just means that maybe it's a matter of time for them. Maybe you just have to answer a few more questions or help them overcome you know, those objections in their mind as to why this may or may not be a fit for them. Mm-hmm. And the more, as you mentioned, that you could do that authentically And from a place of service, I think that's really the big thing here is that you're there to serve. You're there to help. You're not there to close them. And Mm -hmm. it does bother me. This is just a pet peeve of mine. But, you know, in in the online space, in the marketing world, you know, you hear a lot of people internally talking about closing their leads. And it's like, yes, that's the language we use internally, but that's not what we're actually trying to do. We're trying to help people. The more people that we can help, the more sales we'll make. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. So, okay, bring it home. Anything else that we need to talk about here in order to kind of wrap up this conversation around the pipeline and and bringing your lead, you know, nurturing them from lead to hopefully at the end of the, the road, their potential customer? 
Yeah. So two, two things I want to add. So the first is um, the, your, your sales or selling doesn't end once the customer agrees to sign up and they've paid you. Um, it's so important that you deliver on the expectations that the client has of you um, once they've signed up. Because the I, I can't remember the stat from the top of my head, Courtney, but if you mess up your onboarding or enrollment of a new customer, the, the chances of them being happy and wanting to stick around re- it reduces dramatically. So make sure that you over-communicate at that beginning, especially at the beginning. Um, we make the mistake of saying, well, I had a sales call with them. We spoke for 30 minutes. I told them everything. They won't remember. And it's not because you weren't an effective communicator. It wasn't because they weren't interested. It's just a lot of information to take in. Um, so what we have, and I'll, I'll share how we do it in our company, we have a customer onboarding timeline, which is a Google document that we share with all of our customers. So it's one to many. We don't create it for each customer. And it just outlines that day one is going, our day starts, our first day starts on our onboarding call. Seven days after the onboarding call, this happens. Uh, 10 days after our onboarding call, this happens. And we're just constantly communicating to the um, customer about what they should be expecting. And my team even turn around to me and say, Mark, I think we're sending way too many emails. And I kindly remind our team that we are just one of many service providers and one of many to-do items on our customers' lists. And they're not going to remember everything. So keep communicating until they tell you not to. I love that. And you're so right. This is something that we teach in our mastermind program about the four main systems that you need in your business. And one of those is deliverability. What happens Mm -hmm. after this sale? And what does your process look like to take someone from new customer to loyal customer? Because you're right, the conversation continues and the nurturing continues and the selling, so to speak, continues because now you're selling them on why they made the right decision in signing up for whatever it is that you are offering. Absolutely. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I would, I would, I would almost ask yourself to go through your own onboarding process and try and be so objective about it. Maybe actually have a friend go through your onboarding process. Just imagine they, they signed up and ask them what their opinion is, or do they feel like they know what to do next? And you always want to be preempting and never assuming when it comes to onboarding. Yes, 100%. So that, and you mentioned there was one other thing you wanted to share as well. So I've worked with a number of companies to help them with with their sales. And oftentimes they come to me and say, Mark, we need more leads. We need more at the top of the funnel. Um, and I refuse to, to do any activity that generates in new lead generation until I've fixed the optimizations. So you might right now have certain numbers of how many leads you have at the top of the funnel or the beginning of your pipeline, Then they move to book to call. Then they move to being a customer in in very simple terms. You can always be improving those percentages. You can always be improving those conversion rates. And that means that you get more results without having to put more effort in at the top of the funnel. So before you start, before you go and take any action with any lead generation, make sure that you understand your process and make sure that's as optimized as possible. That is such wise advice because you're right. When you've do that. And when you focus on the optimization instead of the conversion at the top of the funnel, you're really optimizing the whole process all the way through. And it takes Mm -hmm. less energy and effort at the top of the funnel. And people are more likely to make it all the way through where you actually want them to be, you know, and kind of converting at each step along the way. 
I love that. So Mark, I have a question for you that has nothing to do with systems, but this is something that <laughs> we it. this is something we have been asking our guests who come on the show since the beginning of the podcast almost 2 years ago. And uh-huh. it's so fascinating to me when I ask this question because no two answers have ever been the same. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts and whatever comes up for you first when you think of living an effortless life. You know, here my company it's the effortless life because we believe that your success does not depend on how much time and effort that you put in. In fact, those are limited resources. So when you depend on those, you're really only going to get limited results. So when you think of living an effortless life, what does that mean to you? Cool. That is an incredibly deep question that I, I'm not too, I'm not prepared for. So what does <laughs> this it is mean? I don't prep our guests. Whatever yeah. comes up for you first, you know, when you think like if I were to live an effortless life or am I living an effortless life, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So for me, I think it's about designing systems around me that support the value that I can create and share that value with other people, but perhaps with me not having to do it on a one-to-one basis. So it might be at, it might be through the medium of a course or a program where I can affect, where I can impact more than one person at a time. But yeah, if I ask myself, have I created that yet? No. Uh, so I better get hard working on it, Courtney. <laughs> and there's the the juxtaposition, right? The hard work to live an effortless life. <laughs> but I really do think, you know, when we can when we can keep that in the forefront of our mind and just remember it. And for you listening, I share this with our listeners just as much as anyone. And I say you also meaning me in this case <laughs> as well, because I think it's such practical advice for all of us that, you know, when we depend on our effort solely to build our business, to build our dreams, to build our future, it, it will take longer to get there. And just as you said, to your point, that when you can design the systems to support you in the journey, you will reach it much faster and with much less of the hustle and the pressure and the urgency that many of us feel that really only contributes to overwhelm and burnout, not to building the life that you've imagined, the life that you want to build for being Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur in the first place. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Mark, thank you for being here today. This was incredibly valuable. I know our listeners, if they're in a place where they're jotting down notes, they've probably taken a lot. And if not, this will be an episode they'll want to come back to because you shared so many incredible tips and advice really on how to not only create a sales system in your business, but what it means to nurture someone through that process and in turn, you know, hopefully converting that sale at the end of it and ways to really help enhance that. So thank you so much for all that you shared today. Thank you, Courtney. It's been a pleasure being here and I I generally hope I was able to offer some value. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Mark. We'll have to bring you back on for sure because I feel like there are so many other things we could talk about in the realm of systems and sales systems in particular. For sure. I'd be more than happy to. Okay, so I want to know which one of those amazing nuggets of advice are you going to take and implement into your business first? You know, sometimes when we hear a really high value episode, just like this one was, we get filled with ideas, we get excited, and then we get back to our business, and then we look at our inbox and we get distracted and we kind of forget that we wanted to implement all of these things, or sometimes just the overwhelm gets in the way and it's like, okay, I I have so many great ideas here and there's so many things I want to do, but I don't even know where to start. And that analysis paralysis prevents us from even implementing one of the things that we heard. So what I want you to do is I want you to choose the number one thing that stood out to you from today's episode. And I want you to commit to implementing that 
in your business by this time next week. And what I mean by implementing, so maybe this is one of those things that you need to do a little more research on. So take that step, right? Choose one first step to take. That's how you get the ball rolling with the implementation process. So maybe he said something in the show that really jumped out at you and you're like, okay, I want to look that up. I want to figure out how I can begin doing that in my own business. And So make that research your first step, right, as an example. Maybe it's something else that he said that was just really simple and it's easy and you could just go literally click a couple buttons and put that in place today. I want you to choose one thing and I want you to implement it in your business. Take that first step, whatever that first step is, by this time next week. And I want you also, while you have your phone out, I'm assuming that you're listening to this on your phone, if you're in a place where you can, Go into your Apple app, assuming again that you're listening to this on Apple. I know there's a lot of podcast players out there now, and we love all of them. We're everywhere that anywhere podcasts are found, but Apple seems to still be the primary one that most of our listeners use. So if you are on Apple, they've just updated their platform. So I have a big ask for you today. And if you aren't already, I ask that you go to the show and go to the top of your screen and you'll see a tiny little plus sign in the top right corner. That is the new subscribe button. I know, so obscure, right? You're going to tap that button and it's going to change to a little check mark. All that means is that you're now following the show. So then for some bonus points, go to the settings in your phone, the settings icon, tap that, open that, scroll down till you see the podcast app tap that and then there's going to be a little button that you can toggle on that says automatic download. So two simple steps in your podcast app, tap the plus sign in the top right corner of the show. And then in your settings app on your phone, scroll to podcasts, open that and toggle on the little button that says automatic downloads. What does this do? Number one, it helps more listeners find the show. Number two, it allows you to listen to episodes wherever you are, even if you don't have a cell phone signal, which I have to admit would have come in very handy around here during the time Hurricane Ida hit. But that way, if you're somewhere where your service is spotty or whatever it is, you can listen to that. You can listen to an air in an airplane 40,000 feet up off the ground. So do those two things. That would really help support this show. It just takes a minute of your time. And while you've got your phone out, I would also love to hear from you. If you have a question or some specific topic that you'd like me to cover here on the show, then go to our website, systemsmadesimple.co, tap the little voicemail icon in the bottom right of your screen, and send me a message. I'd love to hear from you, and I would love to hear what topics you would like me to talk about on the show in a future episode. Now, before we wrap this up today, I have recently been talking with some of my favorite course creators and online business owners about what a struggle 2021 has been in so many ways. And yeah, okay, there's a lot of positives. There's a lot of silver linings. Great, could be worse. I get it. But it doesn't negate the fact that growing a business in these uncertain times is really tough. So coming up next week on the show, we're bringing you a very special episode. How to stay motivated through adversity in business. Because it is one thing to sit here and talk about systems and business and growth like nothing has happened and nothing has changed and it's all business as usual and basically gaslight the fact that we're living in a radically different world than we were just a few short years ago. But if I've learned anything in business, it's that leaning into these times of uncertainty 
and exploring what they're asking of us, which leads to the greatest growth, far beyond any growth or goal that you could set for yourself. So next week on this exclusive episode, I'm going to have a very powerful conversation with a very wise guest who has navigated through the extreme ups and downs of running a business. And I have a feeling that you are going to love what she's going to share. So join me right back here next Tuesday. And until then, go live your effortless life. I'll see you back here next time. As you might've heard me mention inside this episode, if you want to join me for our next live workshop, where I'm going to show you how to avoid the biggest mistakes that cause most podcasts to fail within the first 12 months and literally walk you through the exact framework that we teach our students to launch their shows in the top 100 and convert more of their listeners to clients, just go to the effortlesslife.co forward slash podcast workshop. That's the effortlesslife.co forward slash podcast workshop. 